forced to front up. Did you lie to us about that? A spectacular downfall. I'm not making any further comment. And isolation escapes. It's the processes in place that are the issue. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News and we're actually coming to you on a Monday today, um, wrapping up a huge week in politics last week. Uh, I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. Yeah, and shall we kick off having a chat about a few of the things that have popped up over the last week? One, um, we, we did the um, One News Colmar Brunton poll. We polled, we've done both referendum questions. We talked a bit about... Uh, the cannabis one in our last referendum, but we also polled on euthanasia, and those results came back. Uh, 63% were in favour, 24% were against, and the rest were unsure. So that um, referendum is looking on track to pass pretty comfortably at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and um, it's going to be um, an interesting um, issue leading into the election. I know that for myself and my own whānau, we've been having lots of discussions about it as recently as yesterday, so um, hopefully everyone else is doing the same. Yeah, indeed. And um, Jian Yang, he um, decided to call it quits, the National Party's uh, controversial... M- MP, he um, quite the farewell tape from New Zealand First, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So he put out a statement saying that he was, um, uh, you know, stepping down after after three terms, saying he was going to spend more time with his family. Winston Peters, um, who was actually out of action that day because he had had keyhole surgery um, after coming down with some food poisoning symptoms, I think, put out a statement not too long after um, saying basically good riddance. He's saying um, Jian Yang never fully explained his um, relationship with Chinese spy agencies and described his time as an MP here as shameful. So that's quite a um, ferocious send-off from pretty the um, Deputy actually. Prime Minister. Pretty, pr- pretty sad, pretty sad there from Winston, um, to be mm. quite honest. Um, and uh, and didn't see him yesterday at the um, New Zealand First um, Force for the North uh, uh, campaign launch. Um, for Shane Jones up in uh, up in Whangarei there. Um, really funny uh, footage of him uh, dancing dancing onto the stage. And um, geez, for a for a Maori man, I would have thought he would have had a bit more um, a bit uh, better rhythm than that um, heading onto the stage. For a man who hosts um, annual um, parties um, at his whare up in uh, near near Kiri Kiri up there uh, around Waitangi, you'd think that he had some uh, better moves than those displayed yesterday um, but um, it's the PGF money that uh, he'll be hoping will get him the votes and not his dance moves mm. Mm. Nice. big week this week um, huge huge stuff um, and you have to say it's been a um, big couple of weeks um, and um, you know thinking back there to David Clark's uh, resignation the week before and then lo and behold um, one week later another MP bites the dust Hamish Walker um, interesting stuff this week with yeah, that. So, yeah, so should we talk through how it all happened? So it was that the first we kind of got wind of what had gone down was... So over the weekend, there'd been those stories that some media outlets had gained the details of the positive COVID-19 cases, those patient details. And media outlets had reported that they'd seen, I think it was 18 New Zealanders, that'd seen those... Uh, inf- information about who they were and that they were, you know, that they had the coronavirus, and it was sort of reported as a leak. And Todd Muller went on the attack, saying, "Hey, this is a sign that this government—it's another bungle at the border. They can't even keep the personal health details of New Zealanders private. You know, this this is shocking stuff." But what he didn't know at that stage was his own team was actually leaking that information to the media. So we sort of, 
I think I was at home with a sick child, and you you basically got a press release at sort of five thirty p.m. Is that right, Mikey? On the on the Tuesday, saying that it was Hamish Walker had um, fessed up to 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 leaking it and had been stripped of his portfolios by Todd. Yeah, so so that's right. So it comes in on on um, Tuesday, not um, the best timing um, ahead of the six o'clock news um, with half an hour to go um, and working on other stories. So um, that bombshell drops, and um, it was all hands on deck and so um, we go live with the information which was basically just um, the three press statements, one from Hamish Walker, um, Todd Muller and Michelle Bogue. Um, so basically Hamish Walker says look I'm behind um, the leak uh, to the media, uh, Michelle Bogue comes out saying look I was the one um, who provided that information to him in my role as mm. um, acting chief executive of the Auckland Rescue Helicopter Trust and Todd Muller says, um, look, I'm not happy about it and I've stripped Hamish Walker um, of his spokesperson portfolios for the National Party and told him to cooperate fully with Michael Heron QC. Um, obviously remembering that the day before all of that came out, um, the government had just announced um, you know, the State Services Commission would be leading the inquiry into that leak. Michael Heron QC would be taking the reins in terms of that. And so it was just um, sort of development after development um, from Monday on. Onwards. Yeah, so Todd Muller, this is interesting. So he said Hamish Walker had come to him on the Monday and Todd Muller said his first instinct was to let, let people know that he was behind, behind the leak and he said Hamish Walker followed up um, with with a basically got, got lawyered up or, you know, got a QC involved. Um, so Todd Muller had to get his own, you know, legal advice about what he could do. <laughs> he said once that came back, you know, he, he pressed go and he put that out. Um, but, but it was... So, so anyway, we got that original kind of news came through. Then it sounds like Tuesday night, Todd Muller wrote to the National Party board asking them to review Hamish Walker's um, position as the candidate in the upcoming election in Clutha Southland. Wednesday morning, Todd Muller on breakfast was so strong, saying he thought it was pretty much completely inappropriate that Hamish Walker stays on as an MP for the National Party. By lunchtime, I think when the National Party board met, Hamish Walker had already... Uh, resigned basically. The writing was on the wall. Yeah, he, he basically threw in the towel and left rather than uh, getting booted out. But then things continued to get even more interesting. So on Wednesday and on Thursday, we really pressed Todd Muller in press conferences about what he about who else had this information from Michelle Bogue. Right? We and we asked him repeatedly, did Michael Woodhouse know? Have you talked to Michael Woodhouse, the Nationals Health spokesperson, about this information? And you now he kept coming back to us saying, no, no, I don't understand where you're going with this line of questioning. No, 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 no. And then, then on the Friday, they put out a statement saying, yes, Michael Woodhouse had very similar information sent to him by Michelle Bowie. He says he didn't do anything with it. I think once he found out there was an inquiry, he deleted uh, the emails, um, which he said he felt was the right thing to do uh, but yeah quite incredible having denied that he'd spoken to Woodhouse about this information Todd Muller then basically was forced to admit that he that he had indeed and he had spoken to him was it the Tuesday night mm. he'd spoken he'd spoken to Woodhouse all about this so he knew full well so I, I don't understand what they're doing and Mikey did this pretty incredible track on Friday night playing his statements from the two previous days and then the acknowledgement that 
you know, he'd, he'd known all along that Woodhouse had this information, he'd discussed it with him. Just stunning. It's been an incredible week, um, hasn't it? And look, I just, I, I mean, I, I want to sort of talk about it, um, um, go, you know, from the, from the start, if I, if I could just go back to um, uh, Hamish Walker, um, the absolute cheek of it um, to be pleading um, for his own privacy to be protected with uh, with Todd Muller um, lawyering up you have to say that is just astonishing um, the fact that you know here is an MP a member of parliament a representative of the people of New Zealand um, shopping around the private details of COVID-19 patients these are Kiwis who are already in a vulnerable state absolutely shameful um, and then he turns around and says to to his leader, look, don't out me um, by way of a lawyer because um, I am entitled to my privacy. Um, so you have to say there was a bit of an internal struggle there with Todd Muller and Hamish Walker at the beginning of the week in terms of whether or not this um, actually became public or whether or not Hamish Walker was um, trying to keep it quiet um, until perhaps the hearing inquiry um, came to conclusion. Who, who knows? But that certainly seems what um, that certainly seems as though that that perhaps was his intention, um, Hamish Walker. So Todd Muller has to deal with that. Then he puts it out publicly. My first initial uh, reaction to his own statement, though, I thought um, was quite weak when I went back and looked at it. You know, because we got it at five thirty, we go to the we go to air at six o'clock with um, the details that we have. Then we sit down and we digest it. When I looked at it, I thought to to to, to um, label it an error of judgment, which is what Todd Muller called it in his press statement. I thought that was weak language, um, and I would have expected something stronger given um, this was his MP shopping around the private details of New Zealand citizens to media. You know, it was far more than an error of judgment. Um, a strong move to strip um, him of his spokesperson portfolios, but doesn't count much really in opposition, you could say, um, and it was as much as he could do. Um, and so um, that was my first initial take of it. And then I thought, look, tomorrow's going to be very telling once he has to front media for interviews just to see how strong Todd Muller will go on this. And when we, when you listened to his um, interviews the next morning through the different media rounds, I felt as though he his, he was gradually increasing to the point where he, he then came out saying he was angry. I feel like John Campbell, for example, really pushed him hard before he even said that he was angry about it, you know. So I wonder um, if, um, you know, when they... Because the other thing is, yes, you know, on the Tuesday evening, they wrote to the National Party board, but that was late on Tuesday evening. They had known about that detail since the Monday, the day before, so he'd known about it for a whole day and a half before he made that crucial decision. Yeah. I wonder if they were waiting to see what the public reaction and mood was um, to this information, and you have to say it was quick, it was swift. As soon as it came out, everybody was outraged. So perhaps that helped spur them on as well in terms of needing to make a call on Hamish Walker's future and then therefore deciding to write to the board that evening. And then yes, and then the next day we saw him gradually getting stronger with his language. I'm out I'm angry. So it was it moved from an era of judgment to I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm calling for his head. Yeah. Um, in the space of twenty four, you know, less than twenty four hours. So he did move quickly to to ramp it up, but I think um that was a big test and, and so um in the end he, he got he got to the right conclusion, I thought, in terms of Hamish Walker's future there. You're right, because by the time he put out that statement on the Tuesday afternoon, he'd known about it for what, 
27, 28 and hours. And if he wanted the guy right? gone, yeah, he, he could have said he could have put that in, the in press that press release. I'm going to write to the National Party. Board and it could have been removed. stronger language then. Yeah. It was an error of judgment. Yeah. When it was far more than that. So, so, I, yeah, I really struggle to understand how Michelle Bogue and Hamish Walker thought they were going to benefit from from doing you know acting the way they did okay let's say let's say for example let's look at our polls okay national uh, somewhere you know in the 30 40 percent you know if you take it over the last few polls uh, okay so if you go out and give out the private health information of 18 new zealanders half of them are going to be well you know maybe seven or eight of those are going to be national party supporters is like what what on earth are you doing it's not right at all but you're still you know you're doing it to your some of your own supporters as well. It doesn't make any sense to me. But Hamish Walker had been, you know, basically labelled a racist over putting out a press release in which he said, you know, thousands of people from India, Pakistan and Korea were going to be coming to his electorate for quarantine or isolation. And and obviously, you know, his ears were just ringing with that accusation from the government, you know, and he came up with this disastrous idea to go out and give this information to different media outlets. And perhaps Michelle Bogue also saw that um, happen with him and thought, hey, look, I'll help him out here, um, perhaps. Uh, or, or, or I'm not sure when he got the information, but, you know, it was really fascinating to watch his maiden speech, actually. We went back and looked at his maiden speech, and he gave Michelle Bogue a shout-out in that maiden speech, saying, um, you know, Michelle Bogue, um, thank you for your uh, wise words. Um, so the two had obviously... She had obviously been somewhat of a, of a mentor. Yes. I asked her that when yeah. I interviewed her over the phone. She didn't want to talk about it, saying, look, an investigation was underway. Um, but there was clearly a relationship relationship there. Yeah, so the um the bogeyman, um she so she'd given this information obviously to Woodhouse and to Hamish Walker. So we can have a bit of a chat about um the way she self-destructed last week as well. So in that she put out a statement as we said on Tuesday night resigning from the Auckland Rescue Helicopter Trust where she'd ab- abused her position and given out this information um you know to try and carry out a political attack. She was dumped by um numerous other trusts that she was involved in uh we interviewed simplicity charity charitable trusts um the maori carbon foundation yeah they they accepted her resignation the national party she resigned from the national party after 47 years involved saying she'd um which is clearly obvious to everyone you know she'd developed a really um unhealthy relationship with politics and, and had to go um, and saying that it had become self-destructive and saying that there was um, apologising to people she'd called collateral damage along the way. Hamish Walker, you could include in that um, um, this week. Yeah, look, fascinating stuff. And you had a, a look back at her history. And and there seemed to have been <laughs> yeah. um, some... A, um, a fascinating character. Other um, s- sordid events in her history as well. Yeah, so, I mean... Well, I sort of had a look, bit, of, bit of a look at the controversy that had followed her around. And, um, you know, but I was very, very young when the wine box inquiry was on. But she basically hired a film crew. Um, she was working for Faye Rich White at the, at the time as a PR um, representative. He's involved in that wine house, uh, wine box inquiry. And she basically hired a, a film crew to come in and film Winston Peters giving evidence for the day, pretended that they were like a news crew, Um and basically they were doing that so that uh, Rich White's lawyers could basically monitor everything Winston had said and use it against him the next day during the whole wine box inquiry. And I'm not quite sure how they figured it out, but they figured it out that there was a fake 
news crew. Um, Rich White got done for contempt of the inquiry, uh, fined $15,000. Um, it, it's small world. Um, at the time, Michelle Bogue was on the board of TVNZ. She basically got told either she'd be sacked or she had to resign, so she um, put out a, another statement um, resigning back at that time. Um, and yeah, there, and there have been other controversies she's been in, involved in as well. But I did speak to... Um, Claire Robinson, a political um, expert up at um, Massey University in, in, in Wellington, the other day, and she's saying, "Hey, look, she she also she was a National Party president at one time, you know, and she'd done a lot of work with, um, especially women in politics, helped their careers, especially National Party women, worked quite closely. Obviously, I think she was in charge when they went to that." epic defeat with Bill English as well and was, um, I think Morris Williamson said it was time to lance the boil on the bottom of the National Party as he led a campaign to get rid of her. Um, but yeah, anyway, colourful career that's come um, absolutely crashing down over this stupid decision. And uh, obviously a tough week for her and we heard from Nikki Kay when she was being interviewed by Jack Tame on Q&A that, you know, Nikki called her um, on on um, the, the Tuesday evening um, and and had spoken to her subsequent and she was upset and she was crying on the phone to Nikki um, and, you know, you can expect that to be the case because it, it has been a very public um, downfall from, um, you know, politics, which she obviously has a long um, history with and and um, it would have been devastating for her, even though um, what she did was absolutely abhorrent um, in terms of the abuse of her role um, with the Auckland Rescue Helicopter Trust. Um, but it did raise um, further questions in terms of the connections that she does have politically as to whether or not others within the party had been privy to the information that she provided to Hamish Walker. And so that's where you know we started um, looking into and thinking about who else could have um, um, had access to this information? Who else could she have offered it to? And naturally, Nikki Kay, um, who, you know, Jack um, in his interview spoke to her about perhaps um, Michelle Bogue being like a second mother to her, but also we knew that um, Michelle Bogue was part of the executive committee for Nikki Kay's electorate um, of Auckland Central. Um, and so um, we asked um, Nikki Kay, you know, on the Wednesday, I think it was, um, whether she had received any of that information from Michelle Bogue, whether Michelle Bogue mentioned that she was privy to the, the COVID-19 patient details, and she said emphatically no. Um, I tried to call Michael Woodhouse a number of times on that Wednesday, um, oh, on the Wednesday or the Thursday? On the Thursday, sorry, on the Thursday, um, and, and just couldn't get through mm. to him. Couldn't get through to him. Ringing his mobile, couldn't get through to him, and and now we know why. Um, because they, they, were, <laughs> they, phone, eh? they were obviously mm. um, planning on how to how to deal with all yeah. of this, and he was making contact with Michael here in QC. We did that same Thursday, though, um, put a lot of these questions to Todd Muller, Thomas Mead down in Christchurch, doing a very good job in terms of the question um, question line there, yeah. um, and and just asking him relentlessly. You know, um, did any of the the other MPs know? Did were any of them aware of the data? And um, look, I think maybe should we play should we play out that clip so that people can listen to it yeah. for themselves, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Have you sought assurances from your MPs that they knew nothing about data either held by Hamish Walker or Michelle Bowen? 
Uh, no, look, that issue uh, is uh, sorted from my perspective. She uh, has made it clear publicly that uh, her only interaction was with uh, Hamish. And, uh, he knew that uh, wasn't true. So Michelle Bogg has never mentioned or offered the starter to you or any other national MP? Uh, look, I have, uh, that's from my perspective, well, I'm just going to repeat, from my perspective that uh, issue is uh, uh, concluded. Was Michelle Bogg a source for Michael Woodhouse? Have you spoken to him? Uh, no. I, uh, look, again, I, I don't really understand where, where you're going with this. National leader Todd Muller clearly feeling the pressure. So have you checked with Woodhouse specifically whether he received that same information from Bogg? Uh, no. Today he was forced to front up. Did you lie to us about that? No, I don't believe so. You've been cute with the facts then? Look, I could have put it uh, clearer. So, Mikey, how damaging do you think this is for Tom Muller? I mean, it, it's not a good look. Look, I think, um, you know, what started at the beginning of the week, him looking quite strong, actually, in the end, mm. um, having, um, you know, um, uh, seen out the exit of Hamish Walker um, and having come out in the end very strong, it looked um, like he had, um, you know, passed his first sort of big, big test, um, you know, well. But then um, by the end of it, um, with the new revelations with Michael Woodhouse, his own credibility was now being um, questioned. You know, you could see it in that tape that he was under pressure. He was basically sweating, biting his lip. I mean, the footage says it all. Um, and, you know, to be cute with the facts or to be technical with the facts in terms of, you know, the whole argument being that the information that Hamish Walker received um, was different to what mm. Michael Woodhouse received is absolutely um, laughable basically, because they both received COVID-19 patient details. The only difference was perhaps there was one name missing on Michael Woodhouse's um, list because uh, Hamish Walker got them a week later or, or you know, it, that sort of thing. So yeah. it's really dancing on the head of a pin there. Um, so I just do not as... accept that that um, that reasoning whatsoever. And do you know what else? The funny thing was when we asked Michael Woodhouse, look, how do you know this information is different? His answer was because Michelle Bogue told me. So, you know, if you take the word of Michelle Bogue on all of this, well, um, look, you know, I think there's still questions there. Yeah, but um, I, th I thought it was just dumb, dumb politics as well, because it was all going to come out in the end anyway. Who, you know, with, when you've got Michael here and so you they see looking into it, you, you need to... You know, it's like sort of step one of crisis communications. When you're in a crisis, you need to you need to come out. You need to tell the public exactly what happened, draw a line under it, and move on. None of this kind of Mickey Mouse. Oh no, no, I didn't speak to him. I didn't speak to him. Yeah, oh, and so they out found out so on the. So Todd Muller's told on the yeah. Tuesday night by Michael Woodhouse he should have just come out on the Wednesday when he did the first round of media interviews in response to um, Hamish Walker. He should have mentioned also. Oh, and by the way, Michael Woodhouse has told me that Michelle Boke has also offered him this information. He didn't use it. He didn't pass it on. The end. No one would have really, you know, batten, batted an eyelid at that when you had Hamish Walker here, who had then leaked it to the media and so on and so forth. So they could have cleaned it up a lot cleaner than what they did. Absolutely. Hey, um, I, I think we could also have a chat about um, similar similar issue, but the uh, problems with um, managed isolation recently. We've had a number of people. Um, sort of four or five over the last week, isn't it, um, escaping from isolation. And I almost had a giggle when I heard um, the other night that someone in their late 60s broke a window, climbed out the window, jumped a fence, and uh, was the latest uh, managed isolation, isolation-y, to um, abscond while um, sp supposedly doing their 14 days. It's turning into a bit of a um, headache for the uh, government. 
It's, it's a headache. And it's, you know, on the one hand, you got to say, look, you know, we don't know the, the, the personal circumstances of each individual. So, you know, maybe um, there are some mental health issues there. Maybe um, they are just really doing it rough in, inside those um, managed isolation rooms. Um, and, and you sort of got to have a bit of empathy there for them. So on the one hand, you've got empathy. On the other hand, you've got absolutely no empathy. And you've got a whole lot of anger towards people who, you know, can't even stay two weeks in a hotel room watching some Sky television and getting free meals fed to them every day, and you know, putting the risk of um, an entire country, uh, putting the health of a, an entire country at risk, um, or to go down to a bloody countdown in a, in Liquor King oh, to get to get yeah, a four yeah. pack. Yeah, I was so waiting, sort of by the camera, waiting to do a live cross early last week, and and I hadn't kind of been across the other news of the day around the the latest escapee and I was waiting there with my earpiece and so you're sort of listening to the news and getting ready for your live cross and they're talking about this guy doing a runner from quarantine in Auckland going to Countdown taking like selfies of himself and stuff in, in the was it in the beauty aisles of the <laughs> thing and hanging around in the supermarket for 20 minutes so oh, good god and then came outside and made a phone call for another 20 minutes before rocking on back. And look, one of my highlights this week, actually, um, or last week, sorry, um, was uh, in the um, media stand-up with Health Minister Chris Hipkins. Still feels a little bit weird saying that. Um, with Health Minister Chris Hipkins. And I said to him, look, um, are you confident that, um, you know, there's enough food and alcohol for, for these people who are in managed isolation? Because that seems to be the place that they're all yeah. escaping to. And, into the and store. I, yeah. I did recall that um, someone that we interviewed who was in managed isolation, who wasn't, you know, going to, going to abscond anywhere. Um, but he did say, look, maybe could we get some extra food? That was his one request. And also we know that they've got a limit of um, four bottles of alcohol in some places um, per person per day. And so I said to the minister, is four bottles of alcohol really enough when you're stuck in isolation all day? Mm. Could get quite bored. Um, um, had quite, that was quite a bit of a, had a bit of fun with that. Wasn't that serious a question? Um, yeah. Just a bit of fun there. So yeah, mm. it was um, it was good. But then the minister actually got um, um, hooked into answer, uh, answering lots of questions about the the limit of alcohol for these people and um, whether the price was too high and so on and so forth. So <laughs> sparked off quite the uh, yeah, yeah, debate yeah. there. Cool. Hey, um, just about ready to leave it there. I think. Hey, I just wanted to say. Um, uh, a former colleague of mine, a great broadcaster and really phenomenal journalist, um, Genevieve Westcott, she um, passed away late last week. I knew her and her family quite well. I used to work with them at um, Country TV. So, yeah, but bit sad there. She was 65, um, but she was a real, real um, tenacious, vibrant um, journalist. So, yeah, but bit sad there to um, have a you know former colleague and, and reporter um die but yeah um and a nice time of... to remember genevieve um as we um enter matariki um which is a time to reflect on on the lost loved ones yeah mm. cool anyway that was one news inside parliament our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering as we head towards the general election 10 weeks to go i believe we're on instagram twitter and facebook it's available around this time each week on one news online and you can check us out on your favorite podcasting app see you guys